You only have one life to live, so get the most out of it. On Good Life, Great Life, join me, Brian Highfield, and my guests as we share success stories, habits, mindsets, and lessons learned by successful people. These lessons are not taught in schools, but are critical for getting ahead in life. Whether you want a successful business or career, optimal health, or a lifestyle that most people just dream of, Good Life, Great Life has you covered. After retiring from a successful corporate career in my 40s, I founded multi-million dollar businesses in the sports and healthcare arenas. Now, I help everyday people maximize their lives and speak regularly at seminars, on podcasts, and radio shows to share principles on the topics of health, wealth, and happiness. Don't let a good life get in the way of a great life. Join me today on Good Life, Great Life. Well, welcome to another episode of Good Life, Great Life. And today we have with us Jamie Thomas. Jamie is the founder of the Motley Zoo Animal Rescue. Welcome to the program, Jamie. Hi, thanks for having me. Awesome. So uh, our audience wants to know a little bit about your background and how did you uh, get to the point where you created uh, an animal rescue center that's also a charity. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So give us a little bit of your background and how that all came about. I've always loved animals, which I got from my mother, but I, oddly enough, I was never actually allowed to have dogs or cats when I was little. Um, my dad pretended he was allergic. So, uh, so yeah, <laughs> it wasn't until I snuck a cat into my house when I was about 18 that he, uh, that opened that door. But I think most rescuers fall into rescuing accidentally. Um, you don't, I don't think most people set out to say, I'm going to do this. They see a need and it kind of falls in their lap. So, you know, I took the traditional route. I went to college. I was going to be a pharmacist. I got sick though, and I couldn't finish school. Um, but I always also like fashion design. So my goal was to combine fashion design with my love of animals. Um, but along the way, I realized that the fashion design element was very expensive and I was kind of making all these clothes to sell them, to raise money, but instead I could just do the work of saving the animals. So through fostering, um, my, my first dog I adopted and I, I discovered fostering. And that was what kind of introduced me to the idea that just by having a dog in my home, I'm changing the world for the, that animal. And that really changed my life um, amazingly. And so I I was working with some foster organizations, but I I kind of had this vision of what what could be. And and I I knew I tried to help them or I tried to suggest maybe we could try this, maybe we could try that. But, you know, they kind of didn't want to hear it. And so I was like, you know, I just think that there's a, a different way we could do this. And so that's how Motley Zoo came came to be was this vision I had for a way that, you know, more people could be more people and more pets um, could be connected and it could be more fun and rewarding and the animals wouldn't fall through the cracks. Awesome. So as you know, as a, as a passion of yours, and like you said, you, you, you got experience in that and, and you had these ideas, no one was listening. So you went out and created your own business to, and to go ahead and implement those ideas. How is, how is Motley Zoo Animal Rescue? How is that different from most other animal rescue centers? Well, I mean, you see those commercials on TV with Sarah McLaughlin that make you want to cry yeah. and a lot of the yeah, we you know, all love those by the way <laughs> yeah I know I'm like turn the channel I can't stand it um you know we wanted to make it fun and empowering and you know we we chose this rock and roll theme that we didn't even realize where it would go from you know from picking it it just was kind of a funny play on words for us and it it mm -hmm. was very meaningful to describe the diverse group of people that we had 
you know, working at Motley Zoo and then the diverse group of animals that and species that we intended to, you know, help. So, you know, it just kind of came together that this is, this is what we should do. And so that aesthetic is really different. Um, our attitude is really different. And, um, I often heard this is how it is. This is how it is when I wanted to change things or improve things. And I was like, I don't think that's how it has to be. So we've made improvements on, you know, policies, processes, systems, um, you know, how, how people, um, kind of go through the foster system, the support they receive. We tried to make improvements on all the things that we felt like, you know, just kind of came up short. So thankfully we, we have really been able to do what we set out to do. And we're routinely told that we're very different than any other organization, you know, kind of like us. So. Awesome. So, yeah. I mean, you set it up as, as a charity, so it is a 501 C3 organization. Um, and, and I guess how, I know a lot of people that are thinking about starting a nonprofit or starting a charitable organization. And so how difficult or how easy was that process? Well, it is pretty difficult at first um, to get a 501c3. It's, you know, like a hundred page application. It's very, very time consuming. It can take a year or more to get your certificate. Um, in the meantime, you know, you're trying to operate a charity without being able to give people a, a tax deductible receipt. Um, you can do retroactively if you get your 501c3 within that year, anyone that donated that year, you can go give them a receipt. Um, and we were lucky ours was accepted in like six months or whatever. Um, but it is not easy. And I, you know, we raised $1,500 from other people and uh, my husband and I put in the rest, we put in a thousand dollars. And so we started with $2,500. Wow. And when you're talking about you know, vetting bills for animals and things like that, you know, we set a budget and we just said, you know, this is how much we think we need per animal. And we only took as many animals as we had in the budget. Um, but getting those donations that first, you know, six months was very difficult because people want a tax deductible receipt. Um, but, you know, it is not for the faint of heart. It is a very rewarding process um, to you know, found and, and work for a charity, but it is not easy. And I think a lot of people think, oh, you just get grants left and right. Well, first off, it depends on what, um, you know, what sector you're, you're working in. And then, you know, no, <laughs> grants are like, <laughs> five percent of your revenue and you know you you have to have a very solid business plan and a business idea a concept of how you're going to make it sustainable and it involves a lot of you working for free you putting in a lot of time and money of your own uh, you know in the meantime so it is not something that just found it and the money will just fall in your lap that's not true so how, I mean, is it like a traditional business? How, how is a charity different from, from the day-to-day -day operations? And I mean, we talked about the setup of it, but from, from any other business, is it really that different? Um, I don't think so, because you really do have to have that bottom line in mind when you are spending that money. I think the hard people or the hard thing for a lot of people when doing so is because they're so passionate about the mission that they're working in. They tend to maybe overextend themselves or make emotional decisions that, um, I mean, you you have to balance that. You have to be able to balance that. So, you know, I see a lot of people who are rescuers losing their homes because they have, mm -hmm. you know, 
gone way, way too far into, you know, into debt. And so, you know, finding that balance is really, really critical. Um, but in the end, it is a business. You should have a business plan. You should, you know, have a strategy. And the, the great difference is that, yes, you can get people to give you their money for nothing. So you don't have to sell a product. You don't have to, you know, um, whatever, but you still have to be profitable. And if you're not profitable or at least breaking even, like then, you know, you have to be fundraising all the time. And that is very time consuming and can keep you from the actual mission that you're trying to, you know, accomplish. So it is, you, you really should be a business person to, to want to do this and to, to be a, you know, found a charity. So like any other business, um, it's, it's, you gotta, you gotta focus on growing your revenue to come in, but also you, as you said before, you kind of have a budget and you got to focus on your expenses or me reducing those expenses to, to stay afloat. So really it's, it's just like any other business at that, at that, a successful business uh, at that yeah. point. Right. Yeah. The great thing too, is that you can add volunteers instead yeah. of staff. So, but you know, volunteers aren't always, they're not going to always do what they say they're going to do. They're mm-hmm. not going to always show up. And, you know, so you have to have that backup plan that it's not like just paying someone with staff, you know, with, as a staff person. Um, but, you know, I think you get people, you know, you weed through a lot of, a lot of people, but the gems that you find are really people that are super committed and it doesn't take a dollar to keep them involved. Right. Awesome. Um, what, um, what are some of the creative ways you found that are that work well as far as creating revenue to, to support uh, your, your animal rescue? So from day one, I envisioned a facility that would make money for the organization, not just, you know, cost us money to have an office. So a day, a dog daycare and training center. Uh, it took us five years to, you know, have it come to fruition. Um, but we established the first of its kind that I've ever heard of in this whole country, um, dog daycare and training center as a year round fundraising program. So it's essentially like running an entirely other business, mm. um, side by side with a charity, which most people can hardly run their charity, <laughs> you know, running an, another business on top of it is very difficult. Um, but we've been doing it for eight years now and we've been very, very successful, um, but even in, you know, the animal welfare community, when we tell people what we do, they're shocked. They're like, what, how do you do that? I've never thought of that. Why, you know, I don't know why no one had ever thought of it before, because it seems like the most obvious idea to me yeah. <laughs> to do something relevant. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was very unique when we founded it. It's still unique, um, today, eight years later. Um, but that's probably one of the, the biggest ways that we've, um, you know, tried to become sustainable, uh, and then another way is through our merchandise sales. We have some really fun, cool branded um, apparel that we sell, which, you know, thankfully that's kind of like a, a creative outlet from my fashion design days. I get to you know, <laughs> yeah. still still put that that creative, uh, you know, ideas out there. And um, but we sell that all over the world. So we we have artists design. I mean, sorry, volunteers design the artwork volunteers print the shirts and so literally like every penny beyond the cost of you know the shirt and the ink like can go to each animal and we even market that uniquely uh where every shirt has a specific animal that that design is raising money for so you can see directly which animal is being benefited from your purchase oh that's really cool 
Right. Yeah, that's that's really neat. So you're kind of like almost like a one-stop shop. So I can go and rescue an animal, but also I can I can have it trained and and uh, and and have the have take it to doggy daycare right there uh, at, all at the same place. Exactly. Yeah. And I, you know, I kind of knew it would be a really cool, like full circle kind of idea, but uh-huh. I had no idea how fulfilling it would be not just sending these dogs off into the sunset and hope we would ever hear from them again, yeah. but seeing them grow up in front of us, making sure we have the ability to help intervene if there's a problem or anything like that. And, you know, being that face and being that face in the community has, has really changed um, you know, what we're capable of both financially, um, volunteer wise and, um, you know, for our sustainability. So it's made a huge impact. It sounds like it. Now, now you've been very successful with this for, for many years, but what were, what were some of the biggest challenges in the beginning, in the beginning of getting this off the ground? Oh yeah. So the first year I felt like we did really well and somehow we rep, we, uh, rescued 83 animals in the first year. I mean, I expected like 10 or 30 or something like that. Um, but the second year was really hard. Um, it kind of, everything kind of changed a lot of the people, the board of six became just my husband and I Mm. like people, you know, they, it's not what they thought it was going to be. Um, and you know, that year it was literally my husband's involvement and the matching that his company does for his hours that kept us afloat that year. Then we met, um, the current person uh, who is our animal care director, her name's Patty, and she has been integral into maintaining, you know, I'm like the business and the the, the mind and the, the drive, and she's like the animal guru. And, you know, so she she takes care of all of the, the vetting and all the strategy for each animal, and then I'm doing the business side. And so we, we're very complimentary, but fundamentally, like the animals are, you know, at our that's what we're here for. And, um, so yeah, it was super challenging at first. And that first, the, the second year I was worried that maybe we wouldn't succeed. Um, but once we got through that and Patty came on, it's, it's the people that's going to really help you keep it going. You can have all the money in the world, but if you don't have the right people to help you, you know, do the work, then, you know, it's not going to succeed. And from there, it just kind of steamrolled and just kept going and going and going. No, it's good. So in the first couple of years, I mean, did you, do you really have doubts that this was going to work? Did you think about giving up at any point? Yes, I did. Um, and it wasn't because I wanted to, but I just realized, you know, I knew this was going to be hard, but you know, when it comes right down to it, I'm, I'm the one, I'm the one in charge of everything. And it's my full-time job. You know, it was my husband's Mm part-time hobby and it was other people's part-time hobby, but it all came down to me. And that that was a lonely place. And sometimes it still can be, you know, but, um, but I, most charities don't succeed more than three years. So, you know, to know that we were able to do that is a miracle in and of itself. And I, I always say every day, a charity stays in business. It's a miracle. Um, but yeah, I, I've had doubts over the years and, um, mostly because sometimes, you know, managing people or um, adopters can be really crazy, potential adopters. Mm -hmm. And it, people get really emotional about the animals. So sometimes it's the customer service part that really, really wears on you. Um, I feel like we do a really great job of it and we really, you know, strive to be great at it, 
but there are times when people just bring you down and Mm, it's really never for me about the animals. When people talk about compassion fatigue in our industry, it's never the animal cases. It's, it's when, when it gets hard with people, that's, uh, that's what has really been hard. So yeah, people that are in the people business say the best thing is the people and the worst thing is the people. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I I joke that if it weren't for people rescuing animals would be easy. And I say that with, you know, uh, you know, a little bit of a facetiousness because I love the people that we work with. And, and when you find gems, you, you know, you really, you're so grateful, but sometimes it's, I mean, it's customer service nowadays, like I mean, people don't even want to go to work because they, they're getting yelled at and people are losing their minds out in the world. And so you think about that when people are fueled with, I want this dog or mm. I want this cat, like people lose their minds. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I, I, can, I, I can imagine. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I, I remember, you know, I used to coach high school volleyball and I said, my next coaching uh, gig is going to be at a, at a orphanage. You know, because, <laughs> you know, the parents get very, very emotional about, about their kids as, as they would their pets. And so I can I can just imagine what uh, you have to deal with on a periodic basis there. Yeah. What, uh, what advice would you give someone who's starting starting a charity? Now that you've been through it, you've made it successful um, and someone wants to start that up. What, what are the some of the top tips you'd give to that person who wants to start their own 501c3? Sure. Um, expect it's going to be a long and bumpy road but that it'll be really rewarding. Um, I mean, even on the hardest days, I still, you know, think to myself, I don't know what else I would want to be doing. There's nothing else I would want to be doing or that I would find so fulfilling as this. Um, but you, you have to think about that too. Um, I think also having a long-term strategy and an exit strategy of how you will build this and how you will make it sustainable without you, because that's how you get a, an organization that's going to live forever. So from day one, I've been trying to make myself obsolete in this system, you know, so that the whole organization can run without me, because ultimately, I think that's what most people want. Sometimes people don't want things to run without them and they want to be the only one and they want to be, you know, the center of attention. And, and that's fine, too. Um, but but you'll end up with two different results with those different kind of mindsets. Um, and then self-care is very, very important to stop and take time for yourself. Um, you know, have one day off a week minimum where, you know, the phone might be ringing off the hook, but you just take that time for yourself um, because it's a it's a child that never takes a nap. I mean, it's 24 seven and, you know, there's been plenty of times where I'm on my way to a wedding and I'm picking up a dog or a funeral and, you know, or Christmas and someone got bitten or, you know, and, and you have to deal with these emergencies when everyone else is having fun and, and you have to be prepared for that. Um, but also take that time for yourself. So, you know, I think, it's not for the faint of heart. That is for sure. You have to be committed to your mission um, and you have to have a thick skin and, you know, so, but you will be amazingly rewarded. It is life altering to be able to do something that really satisfies your passion and your purpose. um, And that really affects and changes the world. Awesome. And and I I love that. And really that's great advice for starting any business, let alone, let alone a, a charity uh, in that, um, because you, you are the person on the hook for, for your own business. And there's, there's no boss to answer to, but 
which is good, but you're, you're the boss and, and nothing gets done if you're not doing it, uh, especially in the beginning there. Uh, so that's awesome, awesome advice. What is next for Motley Zoo? What, what are your plans for the future? Where is it going to be five years from now? Yeah, so, you know, we're going to keep going with our, our dog daycare facility and training as long as we can do that. We're in a city where there's a lot of development and prices are, you know, kind of crazy out of control. Thankfully, we have a, a pretty solid situation, at least for a few years, but we uh, do look forward to establishing a sanctuary, which would be a place where animals that can't get adopted, um, you know, can live out their lives. So, you know, right now we take in 30% of the animals that we take in our medical cases, but we have expectations that they will get adopted, even if it takes a year or more. Um, but these would be animals that we know people are not going to adopt because their conditions may be, you know, they're too sad or they're too much work or whatever. Um, and then also being able to expand our species um, to, to other animals besides dogs, cats, and small, small animals. So this would, you know, kind of, it would be bigger than a, a shelter in the sense that it's not just kennels and, and, you know, animals living there. It would be bigger than our foster system where all those animals are expected to be adopted. It would be the one piece of the puzzle that we currently don't have, which is, you know, those, those animals in, in great need that have a, a, can have a quality of life if we can provide that. So. Awesome. That, that's our next thing. And uh, yeah, I'm not sure when that'll happen, but <laughs> otherwise, you know, we're still working on expanding our training program and, um, you know, we really want to share what we're doing with other organizations too. So we're trying to create a program that's able to be replicated in other places. Now, do you, do the dogs actually participate in the training or is it more training for the owners? Cause I found <laughs> when I train dogs, it's, it, I, I was being, the, I was the one being trained, not necessarily the dog. Yes, this is true. But um, for the with the facility, we do both. We do a day training program where the owners aren't there um, and then we give them homework and they have to do the homework. And yeah. if they don't do the homework, then yes. Um, but we also do group classes where the owners are there. And um, it is it is about training the people because dogs will learn whatever you teach them mm -hmm. or don't. And, uh, you know, it's just about what you reinforce and teaching people how to reinforce the proper behaviors, the proper responses. Um, that is that is hard. And, you know, some people, they will be in training forever because they don't listen. <laughs> so, you know, uh, their dogs are great and we can get yeah. them to do anything. But at home, you know, if they don't listen to what we're trying to tell them, then, yeah, their dogs yeah. will be in training forever. For sure. So how can our audience uh, learn more about Motley Zoo or, or get in touch with you? Yeah, so our website is motleyzoo.org. And there's a lot of information down there about adopting, fostering, volunteering. And this is stuff that you can apply to, you know, even organizations in your local area. Um, especially, I think one thing that people don't know is the difference between a rescue and a shelter when they're seeking a pet. And they can... They cannot function the same and they serve very different purposes for you and the animals. So there's a lot of information on how to pick which way you want to go about getting an adopted pet. Um, and then obviously there's uh, ways to donate there. And our store, uh, you can link to our store, which is MZ behind the scenes with a MZ at the end.com. And there, that merchandise all goes to support our mission. Um, but you can get there all from motleyzoo.org. And of course, our socials there too. So we're on every, every channel. <laughs> awesome. Great. 
Well, great. Our, our guest today has been Jamie Thomas. She's the founder of Motley Zoo Animal Rescue. So thank you for being with us today, Jamie. Thanks so much for having me. It's been really fun. And um, I look forward to seeing how people respond and, you know, uh, hearing from other people that may be interested in, in doing a charity or doing a social enterprise. And I think that'll be really beneficial to them. Absolutely. And so for our audience, I hope you join us next time when we'll talk about another topic related to creating your good life and turning that into a great life. So thank you again, Jamie. Thanks. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business.